Hello, and welcome to the High Performing Director Podcast, a podcast with the purpose of enriching our personal and professional lives, both in and outside of the music education environment. My name is Chris Griffoff, a band director from Carmel, Indiana, and I want to help you take control, manage your time, grow your confidence, and take your program to the next level. Join me on this journey to becoming a high performing director. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the High Performing Director Podcast. In this episode, I have the distinct pleasure to chat with Mr. Rick Ginelli, a former outstanding middle school band director turned middle school principal, and then ending his educational career as the director of performing and visual arts all within the Spring Independent School District in Texas. Today, we can find Rick working as an educational support manager in the Division of Education for Con Selmer. And besides just being a wonderful human being, Rick offers us just a wide perspective on our jobs as music educators through both lenses of a former music educator and as an administrator. As we all know, having a strong, respectful relationship with our administration is a major key to any program success. Today, we get to talk to a former music educator turned administrator. Who wouldn't want someone like Rick as a part of their administration? Rick shares with us some outstanding ideas on how to build these relationships, as well as some valuable insight on what our administration goes through on a daily basis. This is an interview you do not want to miss. Please enjoy our conversation. Hey, Rick, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm, I'm super excited to uh, finally sit down and have a chance to talk about your experience as, as a band director and an administrator, and it, things have just been absolutely crazy the last couple of months. I think we first started talking in around January to, January. to do an interview, right. and uh, then I ran into you at TMEA, so I got a chance to talk to you a little bit at, at TMEA, and then we talked, and then everything just went crazy in the world. And uh, <laughs> For everybody. <laughs> for everybody. So it's been a left-right zigzag around, but here we are. It's, it's, it's awesome to finally sit down and, and chat with you. We've, we've had a couple opportunities to chat, and I, I'm just super excited to talk about this subject here a little bit and uh, see, just kind of get an inside look at a band director slash administrator and then how the worlds can can meet and how can we work within each other and give some advice for our listeners on understanding the ad administration a little bit more. I think, I think we all want to be able to do that a little bit. So Rick, thank you so much for, for joining me and uh, I'm excited to get started here. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it as well. Awesome. All right. So just give everybody a quick background. How'd you get started in music education? Kind of what was your career path and tell us about where you are now. You know, I guess from the time that I was in middle school, I knew I wanted to be a band director and I never looked back. And uh, so I, I uh, graduated from uh, a high school in Michigan, Fitzgerald High School. Interesting enough, my middle school band director, I'm sure a lot of people will know this name, is was Andrew Ballant. Um, and he wrote a bunch of, you know, things for young band and very well published. Uh, so that was very cool to have him as a beginning teacher and my middle school band director. And uh, my plan all along was to go to Michigan State University because I grew up in Warren, Michigan. And um, through a series of really crazy events, uh, my high school band director uh, encouraged me to apply at the University of Houston, which I really didn't know much about at the time, but I decided to take a leap of faith and and went to the University of Houston, had a great, great experience there, uh, wonderful mentors, and uh, 
you know, jobs were very plentiful in the Houston area at that time, not so much in, in Michigan. So I stayed and I've been here since 1977. So uh, been through several different positions since then. Uh, started off as a middle school assistant director, uh, then became a middle school head director. Uh, went uh, back, went to elementary administration. Kind of wasn't planning on doing that, actually. Um, I really thought I might be a, a middle school band director for my entire career. Uh, I loved where I was, loved the people, the kids, the parents. It was just, it was a great time in my career. Um, but things happen and you know, I started taking some classes, decided maybe I might want to go into administration someday. I always thought about music administration, but went through that door of campus administration. So I went from elementary assistant principal to middle school assistant principal to middle school principal. And then I became the director of performing and visual arts uh, for 13 years before I retired. So kind of a, a circle of events there. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And, and a couple things. So you were um, the music supervisor at, at the Spring ISD? Spring Independent School District, just north of Houston. Um, my entire 31 years were all in spring. Oh, that's outstanding. And then University of Houston, getting a chance to uh, learn under Mr. Eddie Green. Eddie Green, yes. He came probably my second year there and, of course, made incredible, <laughs> incredible impact on the program and still is. Well, he's had a, an incredible impact on me, and I've never met him. And uh, but yes. he has definitely yeah. um, focused my teaching a lot um, through his book that Dr. Mary Ellen Cavett put out on teaching band. Right. And for my listeners, yeah. if you haven't had a chance to check that book out, uh, check it out. It's it's outstanding, and then it, and it pairs outstanding, just outstanding with the essential musicianship books that um, Eddie Green put out, along with a few other people. It was very interesting to be there at the time that he came in, and he was trying to make this transition within the group. Um, you know, there are people that knew about him, certainly his past at, from Lake Highlands and Richardson and those amazing bands. Uh, but at the university level, we weren't really sure what he was trying to do with us, but it didn't take long before we realized, you know, this is the thing to do. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. That's just, that's a, that's an awesome background. And we're excited to hear more about the, administration part of of it and i came across you um for the first time at, at midwest as you were putting on a session about um teaching or working with administration and um that's why i was like oh, I, I gotta talk to him because I, I just really feel like you know the point of the high performing director is to help give us uh some just development in areas that we're not really used to getting and getting some help in, in these areas we do a lot of professional development on teaching kids and how to teach kids and be better at that. But there's all these outside things that we have to deal with as teachers that we don't really get a lot of help with. And I, and I think right. one of those is administration. And there might not be, besides our students, a, a bigger relationship that needs to be worked on and built uh, to be able to help your program be successful. And there's administrators like you that have experience and there's administrators that really have no idea and as much as music education is a passion for us you know music education for the administration might be you know number 99 out of 105 things that are on their on their list so we have to help them you know be able to understand what we do um and one of the things that you we, we've talked about a little bit in in our discussions 
is that relationship with, with administration. And, and you describe that the most important way to help your relationship is to actually work on building those relationships. You know, it kind of sounds funny about, well, how do I improve my relationship? Well, what have you done to make it actually get better? So what right. advice do you have with, with, for people to start that process? Well, you know, I didn't really do this um, intentionally, I guess, to try to build relationships with my administrators when I was a band director. But I just like to hang out like, you know, band directors are always the last ones in the school. Typically, so are the administrators. And I would just go down to the office after I finished my sectional or something and they were still in there and I'd just pop in and see how their day was and how are things going and we didn't necessarily always talk about band stuff. We talked about stuff and it could have been personal things about kids or, or, uh, how their day went. And I think just showing that interest, you know, being, um, uh, cer- certainly being available, making yourself available, uh, and just asking questions maybe pertaining to the school in general. And, you know, sometimes if you concern yourself with what they're concerned about, then all of a sudden they feel like they have another advocate on the campus and they don't just see you as maybe the band director that that wants something, but that you're really there, you know, for the good of the the whole campus in general. Yeah. And I really like, you think about when do you go talk to your administration? Typically when either you want something or you're not getting something or the worst is when they take something away. Uh, right. Or there's some sort of a, of, of a problem. So that idea of trying to make yourself around and just non, I, I don't want to use, it's not the best word, but threatening um, sure. situations where, you know, everybody's high energy and, and or high emotionally, because a lot of times at every school system, even in Carmel, we go through things where we just lose stuff or, or things don't go our way. Um, and you get really high emotional because we really care about what we're, what we're doing. So, I mean, how does that you go in and you, and you, you start building these relationships. And I mean, have you had any experience with uh, like, how did that help in the future? So when you did have those issues, I, I think, you know, one of the phrases I use, uh, is advocacy is not a diet. Advocacy is a way of life. It's sort of like, you know, you want to go on this crash diet to get into the suit for the wedding. Well, that's great. But you really should be changing your whole lifestyle and the way you eat to maintain a healthier lifestyle. Same thing with advocacy and working with administrators. As you just said, you shouldn't just be going to them when there's a problem or when you need something, right? You should be advocating, teaching them what they need to know, just little bits and pieces on a regular basis so that they get what you do. Because I think, as you said, you know, most of them don't get it. You know, we do have some uh, administrators that have fine arts backgrounds, but most of them have a uh, either an athletic or uh, just a straight academic, you know, background, and they really don't get what we do. So it's your opportunity to teach them uh, to um, just kind of give them a glimpse into your world that they might not either know or have the time to understand, and then when you do go to them for the ask, you've you've developed that relationship. And most likely you will get the, you know, at least have their ear. They're not going to be just turning you away. Yeah. And I think that's a super important point about having, having your ear, you know, depending on how we're treating 
the administration will depend. I don't want to go to a, an administrator like I, I don't want to deal with this right now. This, the answer is no. I know what you're going to to do versus you know what's the issue and I'll do, and I'll do my best. Like I, I think all we can ever ask for is to be listened to, you know. And and sometimes even that's a challenge. Um, and I know for uh, for us, and I know I mentioned about how in any program things always change. And I know I said that in Carmel we have issues too where that happens. I mean it just happens everywhere, but. We've been lucky enough. I, I mean, in my career, I, I've not had as far as a building administrator. Um, man, I've just lucked out to have such a supportive administration that does understand um, what what we do and have been have been super supportive with that. And and I think that's just a great point in terms of well, it, it, you know, one of one of the things that I've sort of, you know, if you put the puzzle pieces together, what I've sort of observed is that when the academics are going well on a campus. Test scores are where they need to be. That kind of pressure is off the administrator. Then there's time and or willingness to spend, pay, to pay attention more to all these other things that they're responsible for, including music and fine arts. And, you know, I've always said it's not that they don't want those programs to do well, but uh, on a very personal level, if their math scores don't come up, they might not be the principal there the next year. You know, if the band goes to their festival, and makes a second division, they're not going to lose their job as the principal. And and that's sort of the reality of it, uh, where it does become very personal. And um, they, they start doing things to protect those subject areas that kind of might not work well in your favor. Yeah, and, and that's uh, that's another great another great point. Um, and as we're talking about just building our relationships with at administrative, besides going down there and getting to know them and talking to them about things outside of our areas, what are some other ways that we can um, build these relationships and and also show that we're a team player as a as a music educator? Even though a lot of the times, I know for us the music wing is on the far side of the building and it feels like you're in your own isolated little yep. area. And it's like a vacation to step into the office or go to another team, team area. Um, cause we spend so much time in our area that's so far out of the way. So how, how else are, can we build these relationships besides just talking with them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, be invisible as much as possible, just like everybody else, you know, um, don't always just, eat down in your office or your room, you know, try to go in and, and socialize with others in the lounge, that kind of thing. You know, uh, sometimes directors don't understand what a great bridge they can build with other teachers when they're working together to help kids do better academically. Now, I know in Texas, we have a we have something called no pass, no play, which means kids don't pass their classes for a period of time after that six weeks marking period is over, they're going to be ineligible to participate in activities. And so, uh, you know, it's really important that the band director, the choir director, whomever, orchestra director, they have a relationship with the classroom teachers where the classroom teachers can say, hey, I just, I know you have contests coming up. So I want you to know that so-and-so didn't get their work turned in. And then you work together with that teacher to get that kid to do whatever they need to do, whether it's getting their work in, whether it's a discipline problem. And all of a sudden now, instead of having an adversary, I mean, you've got somebody who you're working together with, uh, 
for the bet for the for the kid, but it's also helping you too because now you get them for your event, and it's not a a failure in their eyes, you know. So their their passing rate goes up. You get the kid. It's a win win win, and um, that that's one way. Uh, the other way is, uh, um, I believe, is that just try to be involved in school wide activities in some way, shape, or form. You know, we all know band directors are super, super busy. We get that. Is there time to do any of that extra stuff? Probably not. But if you can just volunteer for, to, to be a, uh, on a committee or to chaperone a dance or to do some of the things you wouldn't normally do and do something without being asked, hey, how can I, how can I help? Um, I really think that's going to go a long way to show that you're a team player, um, you know, you still have to be your cheerleader. You still have to be the one fighting for your program, but also show that you're there for the for the entire school as well. Yeah, and 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 continuing on with that, how how much when you were administration, when you had a teacher that did their job, they were always professional, always did what they were supposed to do. You, you could count on them. You knew that they were going to do what they needed to to do all of the time versus a teacher that maybe, um, you know, you don't want to say we don't try to do our job, but I, I think, you know, maybe you can explain a little bit more about those differences between somebody who's most really professional versus someone who's not. And then how does that help that relationship within your administration, knowing that, man, you are somebody that I can count on. You are professional. You're going to, you're going to take care of it. I trust you. Uh, so right. Building that trust. How much does that weigh into these relationships as well? Yeah, you know, everybody's going to stumble now and then, but if you've built up that relationship, uh, a stumble may just be something pretty superficial, but if but if you've not worked on that, um stumble could be like de detrimental, <laughs> you know, because uh, an administrator can say, man, I, I've seen this teacher in action. They're great with their kids. They're great with their parents. You know, their failure rate is low. Um, all around really, really good teacher. And yeah, ah, you know, we had this little blip on the, on the screen here and, you know, we're going to work on it, but it's not that big of a deal. Whereas if you come across as not a team player and you're always grumpy and, and that kind of thing, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, the hammer may come down a little harder on you than if you had built that relationship. I always like to say, are you a, you know, using Winnie the Pooh, are you a Tigger or are you an Eeyore, <laughs> right? Are you the person that the principal can count on, you know, when times get tough and you need somebody to go that extra mile? Or are you always the one hanging your head complaining? Nobody ever pays attention to me. I never get any, you know, and any support, that kind of thing. And I can guarantee you an administrator can go down their list of their staff and tell you who's an Eeyore and who's a, <laughs> who's a Tigger. You know, that, I think that's super powerful. Like just even thinking about, okay, where, where do I fall on that list? Thinking about that, you know, I, I would hope, and I, and I think that I do, I would come across as a, as a Tigger, but like just imagining for that second, oh man, am I, am I, you know, maybe, maybe I am and you are like, maybe I am too much of bringing that negative energy versus the positive. And, and I know a lot of times you can characterize negative and positive as reactionary. You know, we're, we're a lot of the times when, when something occurs or, or something's not going well, we, we don't take that moment to kind of step back, take a look at it. We overreact a little bit and we let the emotions of the reaction outweigh our smarts and okay, what's really going on here? How can I, 
how can I take care of this? And I, and I think we tend to go straight down to admin or straight to that, that person before we've really kind of taken a chance to, uh, work our way back to being a tigger. <laughs> Not- and, and, you know, you can be too much of a tigger too, you know, where, it, you know, if your personality is, is abrasive in, in one way or the other, um, the way you handle things, you know, if, if that per, if that administrator sees you coming, they're going to go in their office and shut the door and pretend like they're busy. <laughs> they're not going to want to talk to you. Uh, and that's really just human nature. You know, you don't want to talk to that person who, you know, is going to, it's going to be a grinding, grueling conversation, or they're going to wear you out because they're overly anxious, you know? So I think you're right. You know, you just have to, you have to be more of a ticker than an Eeyore for sure. But, but finding that, you know, that place that works is really important. Yeah, that's great. Um, so continuing on with our relationships here a little bit, I think another way that you've mentioned that you can help us get a better relationship is actually knowing our administration, knowing what's important to them. Uh, what are, what's the main focus for the school? Where's your place? Where does music fit? for for them and you can explain it i know you have your your little toolbox that that you talk about in in your sessions so um just kind of if you don't mind how how can we get to know or what how does knowing our administrators on that level going to be a help well like i said concern yourself with with what they're concerned about so um if you know that part of the campus improvement plan is we've got to raise attendance what are you doing in your area in your classroom to help raise attendance, right? I I remember a middle school principal telling me once that the band director, there were so many kids in band and that the band director, you know, they had to behave a certain way, that kind of thing. She told me that the band kids are like changing the entire culture of the school for the better because the, the way the band kids were acting was actually rubbing off on the non-band kids. So, you know, when you can have that kind of an impact and show that what you're doing is making that kind of a difference, you know, that, that's huge. Um, so, again, knowing what, what, is, what is important to them. You know, you know, in one of my presentations, I have a slide that shows, you know, the principal on a bullseye. And you've got arrows coming from the community. You've got them coming from parents. You've got them coming from the superintendent. You've got them coming from the teachers. And the superintendent's saying, you know, what's going on with your test scores? And the, the teachers are saying, what's going on with the discipline in the school? And the community's saying, you know, the school's got a bad reputation. My property values are going down. I can't sell my house because nobody wants to live here. You know, so you're getting... You know, parents are saying my kids are getting bullied or whatever the issues might be. And so you're trying to juggle all those things. So if you know what that principal is struggling with, what that administrator is struggling with, and there's something that you can do with your parent organization or within your own organization to help support that, um, that's that's going to be huge. Yeah. And, and I think it's fun to fun or interesting to kind of start to get a little bit of a glimpse at what the administration is going through on, on mm. a daily basis. Again, mm. as I use that analogy of, it's not really an analogy, it's the truth. We're always stuck down in our building in our own little um, isolated area that we don't really get an idea 
of what's happening in the main office, what the problems are. Maybe we get snippets of it that deal with our own kids, but then you don't, you got to multiply that by all of the kids that are happening. And that's just the students. And that's like, as you said, the community and the parents, we just don't sometimes think about, um, and nor is it our job to, but I think we also have to be understanding of what's happening with the administration um, at any given time, especially, I think we all know one example of that is don't go to administration when you're giving your statewide testing, just stay away, right? Right. Because there's so much going on, but I think that's just an easy example of kind of, we know that, but what about the rest of this school year? Right. And, you know, you always think what that other person, I think you know what that other person is having to deal with. Uh, But I can tell you from, from being in that job, um, you know, an assistant principal, um, I hate to use the word uh, thankless, and uh, uh, that may be too strong, but, but it's a lot of, you get to, you get to school early and you organize your day and then the buses roll. And so kids are coming in and you're getting them, you know, get doing bus duty or you're getting them in the gym to be dismissed and then you're doing hall duty and then as an assistant principal you're doing discipline all day long and then the bell rings and you're out in the hallways again doing hall duty then you do three lunch duties and you know and it's constantly that kind of stuff now yes are you observing teachers and trying to impact teachers in a positive way academically yes yes but that's very minimal when you're an assistant principal uh when you're a principal you can you can do more of that because you're involved more so in the driving of the curriculum and whatever's happening from the administration building down to your campus, that kind of thing. Uh, but gosh, you know, some of the things that you deal with, uh, you know, if a kid brings a weapon to school, okay, not only is it a, uh, a district problem, now it becomes a legal problem problem. You know, it's against the law. So now you have police in and now you're, you bring in parents in and one little incident like that can take you away from your normal routine for days until you resolve it. So, and, and those are the kinds of things that happen on a regular basis, unfortunately, not weapons, but (laughs) those kinds, (laughs) thank, thankfully, but those kinds of things that just take, take more hours of the day than you would hope they would. Yeah. I have a, a really close friend, that was a high school, really successful high school music, music educator, uh, band director. And he just switched to administration and we got a chance to get together, um, and hit up a basketball game, a Pacers game here before all of this lucked out (laughs) before all of this started to, uh, to occur. So it's always fun catching up with him and, and just some of the stories that of the stuff that he has to deal with. Um, man, I, it just, you know, we're worried about getting those trumpets to play an F sharp instead of an F natural or, um, you know, getting that high two on that viol- the violin to be in the right spot instead of a low two. And you're like, man, that stuff just is, doesn't even compare to some of the stuff that he was, I mean, not even in the same. I, I, re- I remember pretty vividly a Friday afternoon where we had a student that um, was, a, a, the, her parents were divorced and there was this custody issue and we were always told never to have those two parents there at the same time and one parent called and said I'm picking my daughter up and the other parent called and said I'm picking my daughter up and we literally had to go through paperwork to see the court orders and and which judge and who what was the most recent signature of of who could and we had to literally 
had took a counselor and we hid her in the school as school was dismissing because we were afraid one of them would come up and literally snatch her and take her away and we had to call the police and so things like that it's like you know you don't think about things like that going on on a campus on a regular basis well well and the uh, i mean the emotional toll like that's just that dealing with that sort of stuff and depending on your school system i'm sure there's there's ups and downs but i think every school system has their things but i mean especially if you're in your school system where stuff like that is happening i, I mean that's just got to be emotionally draining for for you as an individual like how do you go home and like you had that happen you get to the end of the day i mean i would just imagine staring at the wall for like 20 right. minutes before i could even think about trying to do do anything else and if you have that stacked stacked up i mean how did you deal with when those things happen getting then and then turning around and then you know dealing with the music teacher that's <laughs> asking for you know something and you have to put on the like immediately after that and be like not be like get away from me right now. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> I can't, do you know what I just said? And you can't really say anything like that because that's right. your, your professionalism. But I mean, how did you deal with that? Like, how did you, well, you know, it was, it was really funny because, uh, the band director who was at my school, uh, when I became the principal, fabulous guy. And when he heard I was going to be the principal, he was really excited. And I could already see in his little brain thinking, I'm going to get everything I want, you know, because he's a former band director. And I had to say, Hey, my heart will always be with you, but my head now has got to be with, you know, a thousand students and a hundred teachers. And, um, so yeah, yeah, you, you do have to, you have to be able to turn it off and, and have a different outlook and, you know, cause there's so many things that you have to think about at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good lead into, uh, I was looking, I've been looking forward to asking you this question, um, since, since I thought I was, I was proud of this question, but what, <laughs> what advice would administrative Rick tell band director Rick, if you could have a conversation? Oh gosh. Um, well, I, I, I think what I would say is knowing what I, what I've seen about band directors and it's just perspective is be careful not to burn your candles so hard at both ends that you have a very short career, you know, um, keep things in perspective, um, still, still advocate. I mean, you know, what we do is vitally important for kids. Uh, but, but be careful. The, the other thing is be careful what you're asking kids to do and asking parents to do sort of on your, your behalf. I, I know I've told some directors before, like they're trying to prepare for a, you know, a big, big event and saying, you know, I just want you to understand that this huge event that you're going to do is contest or whatever it might be is probably more important to you than these kids, because you may put it on your resume. Hey, look, this is what I accomplished. But those kids probably won't put it on, on the resume. So what are you asking the kids to do? And what are you asking the parents to do to help support whatever that event is? Again, just keep that all in perspective. And, you know, even with this, even with this COVID-19 thing, I heard somebody say, you know, we're all in the same storm, but we're not always all necessarily in the same boat. So just because just because the neighboring school does X, Y, and Z, and you feel compelled that you need to do X, Y, and Z too, just stop and take a look at what you're dealing with, who you have, what kind of resources you have, and make smart decisions based on that, not just because everybody else is doing it. 
Yeah, I, I, that's that's great advice on on both ends. I love that you talked about wellness, and we've had a little bit of a discussion. I mean, wellness is a huge part of the high performing director because the whole kind of point is to what, what I'm trying to get through is to help teachers again in those other areas that are the ones that probably cause the most stress in our in our job. I, I think you know. Right now, it's like, I want to go teach my kids. Like, I love teaching my kids. But then you have the parent emails and you have administration sometimes or just other things, financial stuff that mm -hmm. can just, you know, cause a lot of a, a lot of issues. So I, I love that you talked about the the wellness uh, part of that. And I, and I think we've talked about maybe getting it back on here and talking specifically just about that um, in, in, the, in the future. So I love that you brought that brought that up. And as far as like the what are you asking your kids to do and understanding that it's important for you, but maybe not as much um, for, for everybody else. I, I think that's a great point. And then I think the, the COVID part, like that's, that's huge. I, you know, just kind of watching what people have been doing with their kids. And I know we have taken the track of, Hey, we don't want to stress our kids out. You're going to be super stressed during this time. You know, it, it is what it is. And we want to make sure the kids are okay. We want to make sure that they're still trying to have a good time in, in music and even know, it's nothing like what it's supposed to be. And, and who knows what this is going to look like as we, right. You know, as we, as we move forward. Um, and, and that kind of leads me into, as you brought up COVID, how does that change things? I know we talked about, about these relationships yeah. with administration, but you know, what can you expect stress wise from administration? What do you think they're going to be looking, getting inside an administrator's head not to put you back in the job, because I know that's not what you're doing right now, but what would yeah, you no. imagine is going to be going through the administration's mind when things start to come back, when we go into next school year, whenever that might start or however that might look? What do you think is going on in their head? You know, and honestly, I have thought about that a lot uh, recently. Like, you know, how, what are they thinking right now? What are they planning for? And as I've said to a number of people as we've had conversations, I said, let's just take our activities fine arts activities, athletics, things like that, that are, that are going to take even more thought, right? But let's just talk about kids riding on a school bus. Let's talk, you know, think about the day that I just described to you. Think about kids riding on a school bus. Okay, now we've got a thousand kids and we have to put them somewhere before school starts, before the bell rings, first, first period, right? Normally we cram them all in a gym. You know, that's the way we used to do it. And we had a thousand kids. We dismissed them a section at a time. Well, they were sitting shoulder to shoulder. Now, what do you do? What do you do for lunch? You know, we had four lunch periods that already took up a huge chunk of the day. Now you're going to have six lunch periods, seven lunch periods. <laughs> You'd be eating lunch at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, how are you going to work all that out? Um, and then, then we start getting into the classroom stuff and then, what really concerns me is when we get into the activities that we deal with, that kids have to be in close proximity with, uh, with one another and, and breathing and, and playing on sharing instruments uh, in some cases and drumsticks and mallets. I mean, what, there's going to be a lot of, lot of thought that needs to go in My fear, to be honest with you, my fear is that, um, administrators are going to say, Hey, I understand your concerns about band and you know, athletics and, but I, I've got to figure out how to get kids back into school right now. Uh, you know, because band is going to be one period a day. They're going to be in 
everything else, six other periods of a day. So we can't just figure, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to take sides here, but I'm just, you know, thinking, trying to think bigger picture that it's not that they don't want it to work, but it might not be high on the list of priorities. Yeah. And, and I, and I think we're all going to have to be patient. You know, I, I, that, that's going to be the thing at the beginning of the school year is going to be different. And, and I think thinking that we're going to go back and everything's going to be what it was before we left. I, I just don't, it's just not going to happen. And I think just starting to think, I think it's going to be healthy to start thinking about, Hey, what, what's a, what's a real honest expectation for what next school year is going to be from, there you go. from your students. And then remembering that band orchestra choir is so important to a lot of these kids, but there's gonna be so much happening and, and, and that we have to take care of the kid, not our program. You know, it, it, and for me, like, and I don't mean this to be, I want to be positive about it, but like, hey, if I, I got my job, I'm still there. It's not going to look anything. I can be thankful that I have my job. How can I help? How can I get us through this part? And then when things get back to the way they are, we'll start going in again and 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 doing what we, we do. But I think, you know, we've seen on TV that we're all in this together. And, and that's really what, what it's going to be. And I think that's going to be a great approach kind of going into the, to the school year because we're going to be so stuck on what we're so used to doing and where we're supposed to be in November. My kids are supposed to be here. And at this point, you know, if we're playing our instruments and, and we're, we're making some sort of music, even if it's just a whole note, probably concert F, most likely going to be concert <laughs> F. But um, and, and that's what we're doing, man. I'm going to love it. and I'm going to be happy and, and we're going to have a good time. Yeah, positive but realistic. Right. Is exact. Now, you know, the other thing is, you know, I hope band directors are already thinking about given the entire situation in that scenario that I just described, can they put a plan together to take to their administration? Don't leave it up to the administration necessarily. Say, hey, look, I know you've got all these other things to think about. Here's what I thought we might do with, with band or orchestra this year. What if we dot, 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 do the homework for them? Right. Say, hey, I've been talking to my my uh, fellow directors around the state or whatever, and we're thinking of trying this. And what would you think? And if it sounds like a reasonable plan, you're probably going to get the head nod, you know. Uh, but if you expect it to go right back the way it was, it's not going to happen. Right. And I, I think that's just going to lead to frustration on, on all, all, all points. And I think it's just right. a point we just have to. OK, it's going to be different. Except that now, now what do we do? And so like, if somebody gets an idea like that, Hey, I have this plan between now and the beginning of the school year, thinking again as administration, when would be the best time to bring, bring that up to, is that something like, Hey, we're ending the school year. Is it beginning uh, of the summer? Is it middle of the summer? When would that be the best time to approach that? I think, now and and approach it in the way of hey look i know you've got a hundred other things on your plate right now and your mind and i know we got to get school up and running but i just want to throw this idea out at you so that you can kind of consider that in the grand plan of what we want to do i don't want to wait till august and hit you up with this because it may be so far down the line already that it can't be implemented but can we have some discussions along the way to see if we can make this work no, that's, that's, that's great. And I know my, I have my, my last little question here about administration. We, we've talked a lot today about building relationships, understanding the administration. Um, what can our listeners do? And I know it's a little bit different right now, but let's, I mean, whether you have a strained relationship with your administration, 
Um, maybe they view you as an, as an Eeyore and you, and you know, that's the case. And maybe that's your personality, you know, maybe that's just, how do you, what are some things immediately that our listeners can do right now to start rebuilding, building? Um, it could be a three-parter here. If you're a brand new teacher getting ready to start in the fall, uh, starting to build that relationship with your administration. I mean, what's just something that, what's a great place to start? Well, I think given the current situation, um, I think being empathetic, knowing what these administrators have to deal with, um, and again, offering, offering your help in any way that you possibly can, um, try not to be a pain in the butt, <laughs> you know, uh, again, you have to, you, you have to fight for your program and I'm not saying don't fight and I'm not saying lower your expectations. Uh, but you know, be, I like to say, be, be persistent, but be, be polite, be patient, but be persistent. And, and I think if you can figure out that combination of how to keep going back to an administrator, uh, acknowledge what they're dealing with, keep it in front of mind of, I just want, can we talk about this? Is there a good time? Give some options and just don't be so demanding and so insistent that you're going to shut those conversations down before they ever even get started. Yeah. And, and I making sure you're saying, you know, thank you when they do something for you and thanking them for, you know, maybe one thing right now to do too is, is send an email and say, Hey, thanks for everything you're doing to support us right now through, through all of this. Because um, you know, they're, they're they're probably working. I mean, they might not have all of the Zoom contact and all the create creative stuff that we have to do with our students and trying to figure all that stuff out. Uh, but there's really probably working hard right now to fight for us uh, as teachers the best we can. So even just sending them a quick thank you. Um, well, and, and and just quickly, I mean, we could go into a whole sure, other absolutely. conversation about this. But you know, if you can kind of figure out what makes that administrator tick, I mean, like what 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 do they relate to? I mean, are they kind of a warm, fuzzy person or are they a really dry, matter of fact, data-driven kind of person? And what, what kind of information can you provide them or what kind of approach can you take with them that they will then become more receptive to what you're saying? Uh, and maybe what you have to say is actually going to be a help to them and whatever they're trying to accomplish. You know, I, in my office for years and years, I had this this uh, quote by Dr. James Comer, who was actually a, a professor of psychiatry. Um, and, and so it's really about teaching kids, but I think it's about teaching adults as well. And it says, no significant learning occurs without a significant relationship. And I think we know as band directors, we can get kids to do things uh, that other teachers can't get them to do. Uh, we can have kids uh, work on music that is beyond them because of the relationship and they, if they want to please you. If, if you've instilled in them that this is a group effort, you're helping the group, you're going to be, you know, that kind of thing. Um, those relationships start, start building. And yeah, I think that's, that's really the key to everything, but sometimes you don't know how to start building the relationship unless you know what they respond you know, what, to what they respond. Yeah. It's been just some, some great advice and some great in, insight into the, the life of an administrator and try to building those relationships. I, I just think that it's, it's super important and 
don't be afraid, you know, like try not to be afraid of, of talking with. And I I know for me, I I still, whenever you you get the email from the principal or you get, uh, you have to go and talk. I mean, you always get nervous. You always try to stand a little taller and, and just trying to remember their, they trust you and and they know you're doing the best you can. And they're also just people, people too, that are, that are really dealing with a lot of stuff. I, I can remember hanging out with the principal and the assistant principal late after school, and they started talking about something that seemed like it was going to be a sensitive situation. And I said, do you guys need me to leave so you can talk? And they're like, no, no, you're fine. You're okay. We know, we know, we trust you. That's the kind of relationship I had with them, you know? So, but you know, it, it, it takes time and you have to work on it. That's, that's great. So who, who or what? Is inspiring you today? I know you're you're out there dealing with a lot uh, with Con Selmer. We'll talk about that here in a, in, in a second. But what's inspiring you today? Any good books? Well, or? I'm very lucky that somebody that I had listened to for 30 years as a band director and a music administrator is now the vice president of education for Con Selmer, and he's the one that helped me get into this position. And that's Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser. And you know, we're uh, never missed a never missed a uh, uh, a presentation that he's ever done at a conference. Uh, but, you know, we get these little snippets from him on a regular basis that just kind of keep you fired up and keep you positive. A uh, cu- couple of things. Um, you know, we touched briefly on um, th- this book, The Power of Full Engagement. You kind of talked about wellness. Um, that's really has helped to... Um, you know, again, that's making sure that you're not burning your candle at, at both ends so fast that there's no candle left, right? So it talks about managing energy, not time. So it's not, you know, you hear people say, oh, if I just had another hour in the day, you know, well, we only have 24 hours. So what are you going to do with those 24 hours? You know, you got to manage your energy so that you can use those 24 hours to the best of your ability. You don't need more time, right? So that's one thing that's been very interesting. The other thing is... Um, strengths-based leadership. And this is really interesting. And this is, this is something you can use with your administrators too, but it takes a little time to figure them out. And that, that kind of goes back to, you know, what makes them tick? What kind of person are they? Um, you know, I discovered that I'm a very detail-oriented person when I tell a story. And my boss was a very bottom line person. She doesn't like detail, didn't like details. And so people like me drove people like her crazy. But I didn't realize it until I figured I figured this out. That I that I knew that in order for me to be more successful in my communication with her, I had to come in with the bottom line. Here's what I need, or here's the issue, right? And then say, You want to know the details? And if she had time, then we did the details. But if I started with the details, she would go, Okay, time out what's the issue, right? So that's been a real help too. Oh, that's great. Dr. Tim's amazing. Um, I know it would be amazing to work with him on a daily-ish basis, as I'm sure, uh, as, as you get a chance to do. Um, if, and listeners, if you haven't had a chance, I'm sure you know who Dr. Tim is. If you don't, uh, find out. He does sessions all the time. His leadership, um, he did a, uh, I don't want to call it a, class with our Midwest students in 2013 and at the beginning of the school year to kind of get them pumped for the work that was coming. And it just did an amazing, amazing, amazing job with them. So if you're able to get them to come out eventually when we can do those things again, uh, check that out for, for sure. And I'll, yeah. I'll go ahead. And, and a couple of other guys that are, uh, that are, 
you know, Dan Pink, I don't know if you've ever heard of or have looked, you know, watch his TED Talks or YouTube videos, Dan Pink, and then, of course, Sir Ken Robinson. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so inspirational. Yeah, uh, Sir Ken Robinson's got a couple great TED Talks um, that we yeah. actually had to kind of listen to, and, and I'm so glad we did for graduate school. That was, that was um, great. So um, what I'll do is I'll put on the notes uh, links to those books that okay. you, you talked about and um, maybe even a link to Sir Ken Robinson's uh, TED Talk to, yeah. uh, to check out. That'd be a great way to um, put, put that out. And speaking of getting together and, and, and contacts or clinics, uh, are listeners okay to contact you if you to do a session Absolutely. or even virtual or, or, or not? Yeah, of course. Cool. And how can they, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? So uh, my email address uh, at Consalmer is rganelli at con-selmer.com. Uh, you going to post that? Yep, it'll be there. Yeah, that's probably the best way to get me because um, I'm on that email all the time and uh, happy sure. to help our I can. Now, are you also, um, I, I think you're also on the educational clinicians list Yes. for Consulmer as well. Do you uh, want to take a second and just kind of talk a little bit about that program? Cause it's yeah, outstanding. yeah. I'm, I'm what's called an educational support manager. And so I, I, I cover uh, the Southwest U.S., Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, New Mexico, and we have educational support managers all across the country. But we, back when we could anyway, we, uh, we travel wherever we're needed. Uh, if, if, like I was, I'm supposed to go out to uh, the Philadelphia area uh, in August to do a presentation for a dealer there. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're available to do these kinds of things. And that's one way that Consumer is giving back to music education is trying to provide as much support and professional development that we can. Um, you know, for those of, of your listeners who have not heard, uh, we typically have a Consumer Institute, which is our three-day institute in the summer in Mishawaka, Indiana. However, due to the virus situation, we're doing this all online now. It's called uh, Consumer Connect or CSI Connect. Uh, very affordable with a, you know, 60 different presentations from uh, iconic uh, uh, edu music educators from across the country. And uh, we'd love for your listeners to check into that. They can just Google uh, Consumer Institute Connect and there'll be a landing page with all kinds of information and ways to register. Awesome. I, I think that'd be great. And well, Rick, again, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're busy uh, working and, and, and connecting with Consumer on all these different Zoom calls throughout. So thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. I think, I think it was great. And you provided some outstanding just feedback, information, a look into uh, what our administration is going to. And I know that's going to be a big help for, well, for those that take a listen. Certainly been my pleasure. And I do do hope it will be a help in, in some way. All right. Thanks, Rick. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Wow. I hope you enjoyed listening to Rick just as much as I did having the opportunity to interview him. I know this was one of our longest podcast episodes so far, but man, there's just so much valuable information coming from an outstanding and experienced human being. I encourage you to reach out to Rick and invite him to speak to your district's music educators, as I guarantee it will be just a wonderful experience. Thank you to Rick and thank you for listening to this episode. Stay healthy and join me on the next episode on our journey to becoming a high performing director. <laughs>